It's that time. It's time for the Politocrat Daily Podcast Spring Spectacular Collection. Designed by me, yours truly, Omar Moore. T-shirts, sweatshirts, tote bags, and much, much more are now available in this brand new collection that I have designed and put together as we start this new year. I think you will really like this collection and I hope that you spend some time looking around the online store and buying what you see. There's a lot to look at and I believe that you will like what you see. I'm so proud of this collection and I think you'll appreciate it too. So take the time to visit thepolitocrat.com and look on the homepage for the store. You will see it as you scroll down. It's not at the top where it says shop. You'd think that's where it would be, but that is not where the store is. You'll have to scroll down on the homepage before you come to it, and you can't miss it. You can't miss these great products. So please, go ahead, patronize. It would be truly appreciated. Thank you very much. Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, February the 5th. 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat. This is so hard because as many of my colleagues know, my closest colleagues know, on my very first day of orientation, I got my first death threat. It was a serious one. They took me aside. The FBI had to go to the gentleman's home. I didn't even get sworn in yet. And someone wanted me dead for just existing. That was Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib talking about the harrowing experiences she has had even before she became a Congresswoman. The targeting, the death threats, the violent rhetoric. Yesterday, the United States House of Representatives voted to remove Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, the Republican from Georgia, from any committee position that she had been selected to by the Republican Party. The vote was 230 to 199. Only 11 Republicans voted to remove their colleague. On this episode, a look at the poisonous rhetoric, the systemic origins, the poisonous danger of both sides-ism. Social media and what we must do to elevate a country 
That was the House chair announcing the final vote on removing Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from committee assignments she had been given by the Republicans in the House of Representatives, namely the Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy. Marjorie Taylor Greene was voted down and voted out of committees. However, she is still a member of Congress. I will be playing you just portions of what the majority leader in the House, the Democratic Congressman Steny Hoyer, had to say. And I will be playing you in their entirety the near four minutes of remarks by Representative Rashida Tlaib, the Democratic Congresswoman out of Michigan. What she had to say was especially moving, heartbreaking and poignant. And I will be getting to that in short order. I have been saying over the last few weeks that this country is in big trouble, specifically white America. Because what we are seeing now is exactly what we have seen for 500 plus years in the United States of America. It is a failure to reckon with the violent history of this country. And because of that failure, we are seeing mass violence. We are seeing violent people in Congress. We are seeing what we've seen for many, many years. Threats of violence, actual violence. We've seen this all throughout the history of the United States of America. Political assassinations, actual assassinations of politicians. That never gets brought up when these kinds of conversations are happening. And we don't have to go back to Abraham Lincoln. We don't have to go back to the attempted assassination of Grover Cleveland. We don't have to go back to Alexander Hamilton. We don't have to go back that far. We can go to the attempted assassination of Steve Scalise. And that was just three or four years ago. Steve Scalise is a Republican congressman out of Louisiana. He was shot in the hip at least twice. And you know what he did when he got back to health after being in pretty bad shape for a number of weeks in hospital, having been shot at a congressional baseball game. Once he got back to himself and realized that he was a Republican congressman and not a human being, he decided to support a proliferation of guns. He voted against background checks. 
This is the guy who just a few weeks before had been shot at least three times. Twice in the hip, as far as I remember. Steve Scalise, the same congressman who spoke in front of a Klan rally and pretended like he didn't realize that they had pointy white hoods on when he gave his speech. When I say that violence is as American as apple pie, and you hear me say that as you just have, you must know that I am not the first person to have said those words. We can go to H. Rap Brown back in the 1960s and into the early 70s. He made it very clear and he said the same exact thing. He is not the only one and neither am I. You will hear the speeches. You will hear the comments. You will hear the tears. But I do want you to keep this in mind as you listen to these speeches, especially that of Steny Hoyer, the majority house leader. Keep in mind that this is a system at work. Keep in mind that the violence that he mentions, the violence that he mentions, the violence that Congresswoman Tlaib mentions. This is all systemic violence. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, as I said to you just a couple of episodes ago, is really the very least of this. And when I say that she's the very least of it, I am not saying that to absolve her. I am not saying that to minimize her. I am not saying that to trivialize the kind of danger that she is. What I am saying is that she is the latest in a long line of violent people, of violent women, of violent white women, let's get it specific here, who have done everything the patriarchy demanded of them. In fact, the patriarchy didn't even demand it. They just fell in line because it was expected of them. We've heard this before. Sarah Palin. Did everybody forget about how much she talked about how she loved to hunt? When she was running, well, I don't know what she was doing, but after she lost, she was the VP candidate, under McCain's wing in 2008, even during that time, she was talking about how much she liked to hunt. One might suggest that that might have been yet another point for the Republican Party to go to really where it actually was in the first place, which is this root of violence. Because the country is violent. The culture is violent. There are so many states where hunting is part and parcel of the American identity. This person's kid taught that person's kid to hunt and that mother or father had guns. Well, 
in their cabinets. And they would shoot and they would do this and they would go to a gallery or they would do that. And then there's the one in Kenosha. The mother who taught him, that 17-year-old terrorist, about guns. She was strapped to the teeth with them. And she passed that down to him. A wannabe copper. He wanted to be a cop so bad, you see. And people, after knowing and seeing that he had murdered two people right before your eyes on video. Right before your eyes. Fundraised for him. They gave him money. He raised over a million dollars. Over a million dollars. And he murdered two people. This is the American way. That's what the American way is. To be violent. To raise money for violent people. For murderers. Oh, you don't believe me? You think I'm blaspheming the country? What about George Zimmerman? Look at all the support he got. And then he did all this artwork with guns in it. After he had murdered executed Trayvon Martin. And you know what happened? Do you know what happened? He sold, he auctioned off his artwork. He sold his artwork with guns in it. People bought it. And I'm not saying they believed. They spent money That's what I'm talking about. That's what you're dealing with. You look at every other movie poster. And I know that people aren't generally going back to movie theaters yet. But you don't have to. Go and look online. And look at all the movie posters that you see. Next time you do that. Count for me. How many of them you see. With a person in that movie poster. Holding a gun in his or her or their hands. How many of your favorite movies involve gunplay? How many of your favorite movies involve a movie poster or show you a poster where one of the favorite characters of yours or one of your favorite actors has a gun in their hand? This goes so much deeper than Marjorie Taylor Greene. This goes to the very heart and the very DNA of America. And because, as James Baldwin has always said, the American people are unwilling and unable to look at themselves. This, this is what you get when you refuse to look in the mirror. James Madison again at the Constitutional Convention. A president is impeachable if he attempts to subvert the Constitution. The Constitution charges the president with the task of taking care that the laws be faithfully executed. And yet, 
The president has counseled his aides to commit perjury, willfully disregard the secrecy of grand jury proceedings, conceal surreptitious entry, attempt to compromise a federal judge while publicly displaying his cooperation with the processes of criminal justice. A president is impeachable if he attempts to subvert the Constitution. If the impeachment provision in the Constitution of the United States will not reach the offenses charged here, then perhaps that 18th century Constitution should be abandoned to a 20th century paper shredder. Has the president committed offenses and planned and directed and acquiesced in a, con in a course of conduct which the Constitution will not tolerate? That's the question. We know that. We know the question. We should now forthwith proceed to answer the question. It is reason and not passion which must guide our deliberations, guide our debate, and guide our decision. I yield back the balance of my time, Mr. Chairman. Who was that? Who was the voice? Who spoke just then? You know what's interesting? If you don't think that you're going to see a parade of white women in the Republican Party running for the White House in 2024, you are mistaken. And it's not that a white woman can't run for the White House. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is, is that you will see whatever is left of this so-called Republican Party pushing a lot more white female candidates for president. And why do I say that, dear listener? Very simply, because it is widely expected that Kamala Harris, the Vice President of the United States will be running in 2024 to become the President of the United States. That is what is expected. And quite frankly, white men are petrified in the Republican Party to be running against Vice President Harris. So, they don't want to be embarrassed. So, they will turn to a white woman and say, Hey, Ivanka Trump, you run. Hey, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you run. Hey, Marsha Blackburn, you run. Liz Cheney, you run. No matter what they may say about Liz Cheney right now. Remember, politics is always six chess moves ahead. They are already grooming, for lack of a better word, because I can't think of one at this moment. They are already grooming an avalanche of white female and maybe black or brown female candidates. And again, I am not against female candidates running for president. I don't care which party they're in. What I am describing here, dear listener, 
is what I think the strategy is. You will see a Nikki Haley running, I guarantee you, in 2024. And yes, there'll be the usual cadre of white men running, the overload of white men running for president. But I am telling you now, do not be surprised if you see Ivanka Trump running. Because I think that's exactly where the next move is on the Republican chessboard. Book recommendation on this Black History Year moment. It's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His book, Why We Can't Wait. That's my book recommendation on this episode of The Politocrat. They're Elon. They're Alexandria. And they're Rashida. They are people. They are our colleagues. And yes, you may have disagreements. But I don't know anybody, including Steve King, who you precluded from going on committees for much less. And this is an AR-15 in the hands of Miss Green. This was on Facebook just a few months ago. That is a message of peace and reconciliation and peaceful democratic dialogue. The squad's worst enemy, AR-15, in hand. I have never, ever seen that before. Is this a precedent-setting event? It is. Because the conduct, the tweeting, the QAnon association, I heard the disavowal of QAnon, I learned more. AR-15, squad's worst nightmare. Is that what was intended to do? That each one of these ladies would have a nightmare about somebody with a gun? An AR-15 can carry up to a clip of 60 bullets. Welcome back. That was... Majority Leader in the House, Steny Hoyer, the representative out of Maryland. Steny Hoyer gave an impassioned speech yesterday on the House floor about the treatment of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Elon Omar, Representative Rashida Tlaib, the latter of whom you will be hearing from in a few minutes' time on this episode. This is a culture that we are dealing with. Representative Hoyer says that this 
was a precedent, but I think he was wrong on that. Probably the few things, one of the few things I disagree with him on in what was, I think, a really good speech, an appropriate speech for this moment, was the idea that this was a precedent. There have been violent threats before. I mean, did he forget already that just last week or the week before the same Marjorie Taylor Greene had abused and harassed Representative Cory Bush, the brand new freshman congresswoman just like Taylor Greene is? In the corridors of the House, I told you about this literally a couple of days ago now, that Representative Bush moved her office. And I said to you that I think that Speaker Pelosi should have removed Marjorie Taylor Greene from her office and put her somewhere else. Marjorie Taylor Greene and her staff had been threatening and belligerent and abusive and harassing to a fellow member of Congress. I didn't even get to the terrorist attack on January the 6th, 2021 yet. I didn't even get to that. I'm talking about just last week or the week before. So this is not a precedent. This is not a precedent. This is an attack. You are terrorizing black and brown women who are members of Congress. And I'm telling you that for many a century, there have been white women who weaponize their white violence, their violence. They weaponize, they weaponize systemic violence against black and brown people, including black and brown women. This has happened for centuries. Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't a precedent. She's no damn precedent. She's a continuation. That is what needs to be said here. She is not new. This is not new. I said that several times. This week alone, and maybe last week, and maybe prior to last week. None of this is new. And that's a problem I have. This infantilization of the American public. This romanticism that, oh, we are better than this. Oh, this is not who we are. Damn it. This is what happens to a country when it doesn't want to look at its own history. This is what happens when a country chooses, chooses to turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to what's standing right in front of them. 
And a country that does that is in such perilous danger. Most of all, in danger from itself. I shared that quote with you just a couple of episodes ago from the archivist in South Carolina. And I made a mistake. I believe he may have been in Columbia, South Carolina. I said Columbus. There is not, to the best of my knowledge, a Columbus, South Carolina. There is a Columbia, South Carolina. But I don't think there's a Columbus, South Carolina. So I apologize there. Tried to correct the record from two episodes ago. But that archivist, he said, and I will paraphrase now, that people without a long memory are probably going to end up losing their freedom. And in a rough translation, what he said was, that if you do not have a grasp of history and you do not remember from relatively recent speaking, metaphorically speaking, 10 minutes ago, figuratively speaking, 10 minutes ago, meaning say 10 years ago, five years ago, if you don't remember, if you have this extremely short memory, which many people do have, and you as a people and as a country do not remember anything about your history or don't care to know, you are doomed. Not only to repeat that history, but you are doomed to be destroyed on your own lazy, selfish, ignorant, indifferent, couldn't care less account. That is an act of self-sabotage, to say the very least. It's an act of ending the life of a country. Did we become so lazy just because? What brought this about? Was it social media? Was it because some of us think that freedom means that we can do whatever the hell we want? I mean, is that the genesis of... And I know the answer to this, but it's more of a rhetorical question to let it just permeate the air. Is that why we've got this phrase that bell hooks popularized back in the day? Free, white and 21. You can go look that up if you don't know what that means. Is it that we, some of us, associate America, America with being free to do whatever the hell you want to do? I mean, is is that why many of us are so lazy? Is it because we've got so much to do and we've got so much going on in our lives that we are exhausted and tired and there's too many painful things anyway I have to deal with and that I can't tune into what's going on around me beyond my own nose. 
Is that it? Is it that you're working three jobs or three and a half jobs and you're so damn tired that by the time you get home, it's almost time to wake up again? What, what is it? Again, is it social media? Has social media helped to accelerate this? Or again, is it what I think it is? Something that's always been there. That the country, and particularly the white population in the country, by and large, with a few exceptions, refuses to look at, to look squarely in the face of. Is that why we are in the crap that we are in? How could someone be so arrogant as to refuse to look in the mirror at oneself? Is it that you are afraid of what you might see? Is it something to do with low self-esteem? Is it something to do with you want to be invisible and pretend that you don't exist and you're just floating? Because if you had to look in the mirror and stop and think and pause for one second, you might absolutely lose it and crumple into the ball of tears that you don't want to crumple into. What is it? Why is it? I said to you a few minutes ago that white women in these United States, and I dare say beyond these borders as well, but in these United States have had a long history of weaponizing violence and weaponizing systemic and institutional violence against black and brown people. Don't believe me? Why don't you check out 1955? Let's take a walk back to 1955, shall we now? It was a bright sunny day. Um, No, 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 no. This is not one of those kinds of leave it to beaver type stories. This is something a little bit different and much more true to where we are. Money, Mississippi was where Emmett Till came from. He was but what? 12, maybe 13 years old, if that. And he was walking or he was in a store and a white woman lied, lied and said, oh, that, you know, Emmett there, some, uh, you know, he's just a 12-year-old boy, black boy. And, uh, yeah, maybe he whistled or he said something or he fluttered his eyes. Because, you know, black people aren't supposed to react to anything. They're just supposed to be stone and I can just make something up about you and I know because I'm white I know that the police aren't going to come after me for lying they're going to come after the black person 
In fact, they're not even going to come after the black person. They're going to kill them like they killed Tamir Rice. They shot him within a second of putting their eyes on him. That's the country you're living in. That's the America you're living in. So when Senator Debbie Stabenow, a white woman from Michigan, gets on the Senate floor, as she did on Wednesday of this week, and said, we are much better than this. No, you're not better than this. And you do not have the qualifications to even say so. Because you wouldn't have to be on the Senate floor debating whether people should get money in the midst of an economic great Republican Great Depression and the pandemic if this wasn't who we are or if we were better than this there would be no debate the money would have been in people's pockets months ago you wouldn't have to debate this stuff. It would be there for you, like it is in Denmark, like it is in other countries, without all the red tape and the debates and the deliberations and the blocking. This is exactly who we are. And when Emmett Till, minding his own business, I think he had a stutter or something, and a white woman just sat there and lied. And then her lies just like Donald Trump's lies that has killed close to, at least at the time he was in the White House, stinking up the joint, 400,000 people and coronavirus dead because of his lies. The same way that Carolyn Bryant or Carolyn Donham lied and said that Emmett Till Oh, he said something. Oh, he sassed. Oh, I thought he had a gun, said the cop. Who blew away another black person. Oh, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought. This country is in so much deep crap. And you live with an Alice in Wonderland fantasy about the way the world works. And then you get exposed. And then January 6th happened. And you didn't understand. Some of you. Oh, I'm so shocked that it happened. That's what someone who doesn't understand and doesn't know their history says. You're shocked? Emmett Till was tortured to death, mutilated, tortured, drowned. Because one white woman knew what she could do. And she lied with the intention of wanting him dead. Just like Amy Cooper. That hasn't changed, folks. Amy Cooper 
April of 2020, Central Park, New York. And, ironically, same last name, Christian Cooper, black man, bird watching in Central Park. And she comes along with her dog, which she, by the way, nearly kills. And then lies, calls the police. There's an African-American man. There's a black man threatening me. And you know, she expected the police And she knew that the police would come. And if they did come, they were likely to kill the black man that she lied on. Lied. Lied. This is what happens. There is no denying this. This happens. And everyone listening to me right now knows it. You know that this happens. It still happens. All of these white men and women, and I said white women, white men do this too. I'm zoning in on the white women because it is they who have a chance to either lick the boots of patriarchy or reject it and fight against it. And not nearly enough white women Fight against the patriarchy. Not nearly enough. So you have a Rashida Tlaib congresswoman out of Michigan. On the floor. Talking about the death threats. I'll play that audio shortly. You have all of these things happening. And you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene. A white woman. Oh, did I not mention that? With AKs and ARs. Squad's worst nightmare. Really now. Three black and brown faces. On the Facebook post. Oh. But that's just. That's just. That's just precedent, Steny Hoyer. You know, that's never happened before. You know, white women have never. Ever. Oh, never weaponized violence against black women before. Oh, no. This would be the first time in history. This would be precedent. Right, Steady? No. No. No representative Hoyer. No majority leader Hoyer. This ain't the first rodeo. White women have been doing this in this country for centuries. And there's another kind of systemic violence. You know, the one in 1920, 1919, 1920, when the suffragist suffragist movement came along. And what happened then? The black women who fought for the right to vote, fought like hell. And white women were there too. And you know what? White women didn't even want these black women anywhere near And when they won the right to vote, what did they do when the black women didn't have their right to vote? They basically gave them the middle finger and moved on. They had their piece of the patriarchy. Oh, I can vote now. And then black women were left by the side of the road. And they had to wait 
and fight on for another 45 years. That's a violence. That is a form of violence, folks. So whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene with an AR-15 and the faces of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Representative Elon Omar or Representative Rashida Tlaib superimposed in a Facebook post next to this bleach blonde oh I'm so cool in my aviator shades Marjorie Taylor Greene with an AR-15 or an AK or whatever the hell that rifle is. That's a form of violence. So is Amy Cooper calling the cops. She relied on the system because the system allowed it. Because the system knows that every one of these white people who calls the cops on six-year-old black girls, six-year-old black girls with cops called on them, they're standing outside the building that they live in. Oh, I'm going to sell some water today. You know, it's so hot here in San Francisco in the summer. Yeah, I know it's counterintuitive because you know what? Mark Twain once said about this city in the summertime. Oh, but, you know, I I just want to sell some water. I'm a six-year-old black girl, you know. But I've got some white woman calling the cops on me because she's a racist. Oh, oh. You know, I'm a black woman in my dorm at Yale or Harvard or wherever the heck it was. And some white woman's calling the cops on me or the security folks because I'm sleeping in my dorm. Oh, I'm a black woman with with children and I'm at a pool in the hotel that I have a room in. And some white man is calling the hotel staff. Oh, you know, we can't have... Whoa, no, you can't be in this pool. Ooh, well, yeah. Where's your ID? In fact, it wasn't even the staff. It was some white guest male. Oh, oh, I want to see. Didn't even work at the damn place. I want to see your ID. And even if he did work at the place, are you asking people for ID? Who do you think you are in South Africa? South Africa? When it was apartheid? I mean, is is that what this is? I can go down the whole list. There's so many of these cases. And this isn't just happening in 2018, 19, 20, 21. This has been happening for centuries. Where white people are given license with their racism and with the system that backs them to do these kinds of things to injure, to commit systemic acts of violence or just outright physical violence against black and brown people and against black women, particularly. Whether it's the police doing it, Sandra Bland, how many people didn't ever make a... I mean, come on. How many people have driven a car and sometimes not made a turn signal? How many people... Did you end up dead for it? Obviously, if you can hear my voice, you know what the answer is. 
There are so many situations like this. So many. The absurdity of just a few blocks from where I am right now. Talking to you in San Francisco, California. And a white woman is calling the police on a guy that's been living and owning the building. For 18 years. Filipino brother. A member of one of the LGBTQIA communities. This is a gay Filipino brother. And you've got this white woman calling the police on him. Telling him he doesn't live in his own place. That he owns. Oh, but you wrote Black Lives Matter on your, on your property. This is about a system. And there are so many other cases of white, white women and men who have pulled this garbage. And it has often led to death. It has led to the deaths of black people. It has led to the deaths of brown people. The policies of the previous so-called administration, more like the Nazi regime that separated brown kids from their parents. Six, seven, eight hundred families more separated. That's systemic violence and physical violence. This is not a precedent. There is a whole lot of waking up this country needs to do. And there's so many more cases. As I said, I could be here all, well, all year long with every one of the cases I know of. At some point, as I've said before about white America, white Americans at large will have to look at themselves. And if they do not care to look at themselves, there will be a rude and nasty surprise coming to them. By the way, January 6, 2021 was but one of those so-called surprises. When I come back, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. Welcome back. Before I do play the remarks of Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, she spoke on the House floor yesterday evening. I do want to just add something to what I said in the previous segment just then. All of the photographs that you have seen, if you have ever seen any, of white families standing underneath dangling black bodies, lifeless black bodies, posing for pictures and then sending pictures and postcards of lynched black people, black women and men and boys and girls. 
This is what you're dealing with. This is what you are dealing with. It's not just Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's a system. I said this before. I said this earlier this week. In an earlier episode. It may have been Wednesday's episode. I said this and you know this. It's a system. It ain't just one person. And until you deal with a system. And you confront it. And you demand change and you push change and you dismantle and get rid of a system that doesn't care about humanity and only cares about objects and profits and wealth and money and property and not about human beings or their lives. Then you will have this continue to happen. Marjorie Taylor Greene is just the latest episode. And yes, it was great to see that she got removed from the committees. But she needs to be removed from Congress and not allowed to serve in office anywhere. No public service at all. These positions are too cherished now to have some street trash like her in these positions. This is about a system. That's what this is about. You've got people bringing guns into Congress, bringing guns into the rotunda, bringing guns. Oh, I don't want to go through the metal detector. No, I don't want to do that. Ah, no, no. This is not a question of the Republicans anymore because there is no Republican Party anymore, really. It's about a system that is destined to go this way when it's born this way. When you start off by destroying the Native Americans and you genocide them and you get rid of all of their traditions and then you make baseball teams and football teams and hockey teams with Heads of Native Americans as insignia for your logos, for your sports teams. You are, you're in real trouble. You just are telling everybody how evil and psychopathic and sociopathic you are. And that's how you were born. That's how you became what you are. Because that is who you are. My God. Can anybody think anymore? It's all in your face. On Sunday, in just a few days time, millions of people around the world are going to be watching a Super Bowl. I won't be one of them because I've said this on many occasions. I have stopped watching the Super Bowl. And you know why. Rhymes with Kaepernick. The point I'm trying to make here is that one of the two teams for the second year in a row is going to be in the Super Bowl and their name is a denigrating name to Native Americans. And I know there's going to be someone that says, oh, no, no, not really. No, no, it is. It is. 
And no one's going to blink an eye. Nobody. You had to have black people murdered for a Washington football team to get rid of its disgusting name. And we've been telling the owner of that football team, the NFL owner of that team, for decades to get rid of that name. For decades. And it took George Floyd being executed in slow motion for, oh, uh, Daniel Snyder. um, Oh, Eureka. Yeah, I'm going to get rid of the name. It took Breonna Taylor being assassinated in her bed. Oh, maybe I should not do this anymore. Oh, maybe I should say Black Lives Matter now. Really? This has been going on for centuries. Why was George Floyd the final thing for you? When you'd seen Rodney King 20, 30 years earlier. Granted, he wasn't killed, but he didn't live for very much longer before he ended up dying in the 2000s. I mean, you'd seen this in the 1960s in the South on that bridge with a Klansman's name on it. You want to talk about a system? This is so inbred and deep. And you've got people posing for photographs, white women included, many of them with their kids. Black bodies dangling, black women's bodies dangling. Picture postcards. What kind of mentality is that? What kind of evil is that? The inhumanity of that. What is that? Huh? It's evil. It's who these people are. And it's been in the DNA of the United States ever since. It's become that. You enslave black people. You bring them here against their will. And then you're shocked, shocked when all of this violence happens against them. You're so shocked. Black Lives Matter in 1619, in 1500, in 1700, 1861, 1865, 1850, 1876. Our lives have always mattered. And in 2020, there's some people out here who are just waking up. That's why I hate that word woke. It's such BS. Whoever made that word up should just absolutely well. It's just disgusting. This isn't about woke my nothing. This is about people acting. Get up and act. Get up and act. You have a trial coming up in five days' time or four days' time. Four days' time, you've got a trial of the guy that I call individual one and many others do. You need to be calling your Republican senator. I keep telling you, do not pay attention to the news headlines that say, Well, there's only five people who are willing to vote to convict. I don't care if there's none on the Republican side willing to convict. Stop being led by the blooming news and be led by your own conscience. 
I want you to act. Call the number 202-225-3121. That's two different phone numbers that get you to the same destination. That's the DC Congressional Switchboard. You can also, by the way, go to senate.gov and look up the names of the senators. You can find it very easily on the homepage under the tab senators. Click on it. You'll see all the senators there. Call the Republican ones. Call all 50 of them. Call them. Because after you hear what I'm about to play, you will definitely want to be calling these Republican senators. Do not waste a day. Do not make an excuse. I don't care how many you call. Call them. Preferably call all 50 of them. Leave messages. Tell them to vote to convict individual one. Do it, please. You can't let this stuff go. If you're going to tell Joe Biden, oh, well, Joe Biden's Justice Department shouldn't deal with this stuff, then you should be making phone calls. You should be pressuring Biden. You should be pressuring the Justice Department. I know Merrick Garland hasn't been confirmed yet, but this is what we need to be doing. And we need to push for this COVID $1.9 trillion package to be done. The House passed it. I think they passed it yesterday or earlier today, whenever it was. It's time for people to start acting. I don't want to hear about woke. I want to hear that people are getting involved. We have to act. And we're on Twitter pontificating about what this one said, what that one said. I've been guilty of it. I'm not pretending I'm above it all. I'm trying to change that for myself. I don't want to, you know, I'm busy as it is. What, you know, I've got things to do. So do everybody. Everybody does. Look at to spend three hours reacting to some garbage. Oh, so he wrote a letter today and it's got a presidential seal on it. Now I've got to react to it. Why do we have to react to every blooming thing on Twitter? That's part of the problem too. The social media. And you heard Steny Hoyer earlier talk about it. Facebook. That's where this violent human being put her filth. And she's got kids. Just like those kids sticking around their white mothers when black bodies are dangling in the 1940s and 50s. In the 60s. Well, you know, yeah, they took their kids to these lynchings, these assassinations, these executions. And Marjorie Taylor Greene has children and all the hateful things that she has said. The things that she has called for. This ain't the first rodeo. I hand you now over. To Representative Rashida Tlaib. Thank you so much to my colleague for her incredible courage. I asked her to go last because I get um, because this is so personal. <laughs> this is so hard because. As many of my colleagues know, my closest colleagues know, 
on my very first day of orientation, I got my first death threat. It was a serious one. They took me aside. The FBI had to go to the gentleman's home. I didn't even get sworn in yet. And someone wanted me dead for just existing. More came later, uglier, more violent. One celebrating and writing the New Zealand massacre and hoping that more would come. Another mentioning my dear son, Adam. <laughs> mentioning him by name. Each one paralyzed me each time. So what happened on January 6th, all I could do was thank Allah that I wasn't here. I felt overwhelming relief and I feel bad for Alexandria, so many of my colleagues that were here. But as I saw it, I thought to myself, thank God I am not there. I saw the images that they didn't get to see until later. My team and I decided at that point, we'd keep the death threats away. We try to report them, document them, to keep them away from me because it just paralyzed me and all I wanted to do was come here and serve the people that raised me. The people that told my mother who only had eighth grade education that she deserves human dignity. People that believed in me. And so it's hard. It's hard when my seven brothers and six sisters beg me to get protection, many urging me to get a gun for the first time. And I have to tell you, the trauma from just being here existing as a Muslim is so hard, but imagine my team, which I lovingly just adore. They are diverse. I have LGBTQ staff. I have a beautiful Muslim that wears her hijab proudly in the halls. I have black women that are so proud to be here to serve their country. And I worry every day for their lives because of this rhetoric. I never thought that they would feel unsafe here. And so I asked my colleagues to please try not to dehumanize what's happening. This is real. And you know, many of our residents from the shootings in Charlottesville too, the massacre at the synagogue, all of it. All of it is led by hate rhetoric like this. And so I urge my colleagues to please, please take what happened on January 6th seriously. It will lead to more death and we can do better. We must do better. Thank you. That was Representative Rashida Tlaib out of Michigan. If you do not feel anything after listening to what you just heard, you need to get your feelings checked. You need to get them examined. And what it says is that you just don't care about black or brown women or black or brown people and that you would have more compassion and you would feel more and care more if it were a white woman who were standing and crying 
as you just heard Congresswoman Tlaib doing, you would have more compassion, wouldn't you? Some of you, if that were a white woman speaking about being terrorized. There is no way that people can pretend that their own racism does not play a big role in this. All of this violence that is levied against black women in particular and brown women, all of the violent threats that you just heard about from Congresswoman Tlaib, all of the vitriol and violent threats against Representative Elon Omar, all of the violent threats and vitriol against Representative Cory Bush having Marjorie Taylor Greene and her staff threatening and abusing and harassing. She had been there for basically a couple of weeks. Didn't take them very long, did it now? And harassing Representative Bush. She should be removed from office, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She should be removed. That's what should be happening to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Nothing more, nothing less. Ousted. Oh, but the will of the people. The will of the people what? This woman has threatened the lives of Congress people, including the Speaker of the House. And guess what? There's another one of these people with a gun who actually tweeted the directions to where Speaker Pelosi's office was on January 6th of this year, 2021. And people are acting like this is okay. It is not. You should be getting rid of her too. Bobert's got to go. I mentioned her name. Bobbit, whatever her name is. Bobbit has to leave now. Now. Gone. Got to go. Got to go. Can't have this. And any man that participates in it has to go as well. Gosar, Biggs, Brooks. These are the people need to be out. And let's not forget Ted Yoho. Yoho-ho. Who was the one that called Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. An effing B. Let's not forget that one either. My point is that people have such short memories as I have been warning and saying. Just a few months ago, that was Ted Yoho saying these misogynistic things about Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And as she pointed out, and I even played it on this podcast back in the summer of last year in 2020, she had said, having daughters does not make you virtuous. Because, you know, he got up there, Ted Yoho, and, oh, my daughters, oh, this and oh, that. Hiding behind your daughters. Instead of actually stepping from behind them and taking accountability. 
Never apologized to Representative Ocasio-Cortez. Never. He didn't apologize. Not in his rambling speech. Just like Marjorie Taylor Greene yesterday. She didn't apologize. She just defensive, defensive, defensive. She just defended herself. And made the false equivalency. You know, the both sidesism that's the poison. Do you find yourself doing this, dear listener? Do you find yourself saying, well, I just want to turn it over to Fox News or Newsmax or one of those channels just to see what the other side says. You know, that's a form of both sidesism too. Uh, I just want to see what the other side says. Well, you know what the other side says. You have seen the other side. So that means there's something in you that gravitates the curiosity part of your brain, of your mind, of your whole being. Wanders. Ooh, I'm going to take a walk on the wild side. I'm going to turn the channel to Fox News. Oh, dearie me. Well, I tell you, if you do watch Fox News, and maybe you do, because maybe that makes you feel like you're a well-rounded person, you will see, or maybe not, that the people who are getting the vaccine on your TVs are white. And you know what? Speaking of a systemic violence... White people getting this vaccine, by and large, are the ones who are not at greatest risk for getting coronavirus or getting sick from it and dying from it. As a matter of fact, the rates of white people coming down with or being killed by this virus are far lower in comparison to the rates of black people, Latino people and native people being killed from this virus. And yet, it's the white person that's getting the vaccine most of the time. Look on your news broadcast. You'll find very few black people and brown people there. And don't tell me it's because, oh, we're skeptical. That is not true of everybody. There is a small percentage of the black community. It's under 30%. It may be under 25 who may express skepticism with good reason, I might add, as I have discussed here with Dr. Cindy Duke just this past December about the systemic realities, more systemic violence, government violence against black and brown bodies, against black bodies, against native bodies. But by and large, there are black people that would take this vaccine in a heartbeat. And all you see are the mostly white people taking this vaccine. And I'm not even talking about just the super rich. I'm talking about white people, period, who are of a certain age group. And where are all the black people of a certain age group? You're telling me that they don't want this vaccine? Sure, there's skepticism. It's under, I'd say it's between 20 and 30% max. How come I'm not seeing that on my TVs? 
of black folk and brown folk. How come I'm not? I'm seeing very few of them. And they're at the greatest risk. They're at greatest risk. But it's the white person who is getting this vaccine. And I'm not saying they shouldn't get it. I am saying they are getting it first and predominantly. As if there aren't any 75 or 65 year olds who are black. Or Latinos who are 75 years old. Come on, people. That's a systemic kind of violence. Why is it that you're seeing that tremendous inequity? Yes, of course, it's racism and the systemic racism. If you know darn well, and I'm saying you in general, not necessarily you listening, but if you know as a country, as a government, as a system in general that Black people are coming down with this virus and dying from it like flies and Latinos even more so and Native Americans even more so than that as a proportion of the population like flies. Then wouldn't you be pulling out all the stops to make sure that they get the vaccine first and foremost? I mean, the fact that you've got to have a Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith on your task force just to make sure that the black folk get this vaccine and the brown folk get it and the native folk get it shows you how much of a bad situation this is and what bad shape America is in. Because if America wasn't in such bad shape, you wouldn't need to have a special person taught. And she's she's an expert. She's brilliant. I'm not knocking her. But I'm saying that you wouldn't in an infrastructure, you wouldn't have to have someone specially there to make sure the black folk get the vaccine. Because if the system was just and fair, which it is not, and just, which it is not, you wouldn't need to create this special position for Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith. Now, she'd be out of a job, but you'd have a lot more black folk and brown folk with vaccine shots. Now, done, finito, avidazen. You wouldn't have to worry about this. And that's the other kind of systemic violence. That's the other kind. You know, these are the same white people who probably didn't wear masks, some of them. Some of these people probably didn't even wear a mask. But they're getting their vaccine shot. If you do not look at the DNA of the country, how are you going to think that it is going to change? And as I said earlier, it's going to fall to white people, as I've said a billion trillion times on this podcast over the last almost one year now. It is going to fall to the white population of the United States to put up or shut up when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when it comes to anti-racism, when it comes to teaching people in their own communities and families and confronting this. And like I say, I don't think enough white people care. 
I don't. And I'm not going to ballyhoo about the 25% who I think do or the 20% who I know do. I'm not here for a cheering section. I am not here for it. And that is not the function that I have here. The fierce urgency of now is what we must have. Nobody gets a blue ribbon around here, including yours truly. I keep telling you, I do not want cookies. I do not want gold medals. I don't want any kind of medal. We have to do. We have to stop applauding people for doing the basic minimum. Because that is a gutter country. If we are applauding 11 Republicans, we're in trouble, folks. You're applauding? I don't know if you did. You're applauding? I I made a case when I tweeted this yesterday evening at the popcorn R-E-E-L. The list of people who voted yes and those who voted no for Marjorie Taylor Greene. I did highlight the 11 in highlight pen, my own highlight, who voted to oust her from these committees. But I wasn't cheerleading them. I don't think you should be cheerleading anybody when they should be doing the right thing. That's what your job is. I was against this when people were, oh, Mayor Giuliani, he's America's mayor because he did the bare friggin' minimum. And he did something worse than that. He put a friggin' command tower in the World Trade Center. Well done. You must be very smart. What school did you go to? Who puts a freaking command tower in a terrorist attack location? And the bloomin' thing had been attacked in 1993. And the idiot still put a freaking command center in, in there. A security center. What a fool. And this guy is such a jackass, honestly. And he got sued for 2.7 or 5 point something gazillion billion dollars. By this voting company, because, of course, he lied along with Sidney Powell and Maria Bartiromo and Lou Dobbs. They all got their comeuppance. They'll probably never pay a penny of any of this. And they should. We cannot be applauding people for the bare minimum. That's not what this country should be doing. But it has invested in mediocrity for a long time. And especially... Mediocre white politicians, particularly mediocre white male politicians. And then you get a field day when one of them actually does something like Jeff Flake. He's no longer in the Senate. And some of you were out there cheering him when he voted with Trump 95 percent of the time. But you cheered him on the three times he broke with him. That's the kind of mentality that we have that we've got to break in this society. The bare minimum is what you applaud? Then what does that say about you? If you're applauding 11 Republicans for doing something that anybody from outer space would do in their sleep, in their dreams, then what does that say about you? What does that say about us as a culture, as a society, as a country? The both sidesism, the way the media reports on a lot of this, giving the losing side all this airtime, and oh, you have to be bipartisan. 
These guys weren't bipartisan when they were destroying the country. They destroyed the country. And that's what their effort was. We have to stop, as I said before, we have to stop trying to be so nice and bipartisan. When you've got Republicans destroying the country, when you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene putting out death threats against Democratic politicians, against people, human beings, with families, children. And even if they didn't have all of those things, these are human beings. This is in your workplace. If I went to work in the office, which of course the office ain't an option now, it's a home office. But if I went to work, if you went to work, I'll put this on me. If you went to work in an office talking about there should be something put on the head of, of your boss, how long do you think you'd last in your job? You wouldn't last at all. So why is Marjorie Taylor Greene still there? Why wasn't George W. Bush impeached? Why do you think Donald Trump won't be convicted? Why did President Obama look the other way at George W.? Why did Gerald Ford pardon Nixon for all future stuff that he never did, let alone the stuff he did do? This is a system at work, is part of the answer. It's a system. And not to repeat myself from a day or two ago, it's a system, stupid. That's what we have to dismantle, as I said earlier. Otherwise, we are fooling ourselves. And we are headed for doom. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. <laughs>